When you're finding your voice, nothing else matters. No doubts, no insecurities, and no fears will interfere with that voice. There's no waiting for the perfect moment, and you certainly don't need anyone's permission. You are the voice. This podcast is a safe space for creatives and entrepreneurs to be themselves. I will help you get out of your head so that you can break up with your fears and get into your passion. With that being said, I am your host, Michelle Unveiled, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in to find your voice. Hashtag be the voice. Today we have a founder and CEO of Lemonade Development. She's a coach, speaker, and author, and let's just say she's a lemonade maker because she helps women turn their lemons into lemonade. It is my pleasure to introduce Chandra Nishan Adams, episode 20, When Life Gives You Lemons. Hello, hello, Chandra. I am so happy to have you on the show today. Hello there, Michelle. How are you? I am doing, I'm doing wonderful. I can't complain. I'm I'm doing even better now. I'm so happy to catch up with you. And so we're going to just, we're going to just jump right in. You know, this is the Creative and Fearless series. And I'm going to be honest, if Fearless was a person, if fearless was a person, I swear it would be you because you you have been through some stuff and have overcome some stuff and we gonna we gonna talk about this. I mean from childhood trauma to divorce to I, I want you to tell the story because this is just amazing and you're flat out gorgeous like there's no way I would never know you would go through some of the things that you've shared with me. So I want you to just jump right in. Tell us your story. Well, thank you. First of all, I appreciate um, being invited here. Um, I'm really, really excited um, to be having this conversation with you. So where do I start? Um, Really, I think the easiest way to just kind of summarize it is to say that I am, oh boy, let's start with um, neurotypical or not neurotypical, but neurodiverse. Um, I have ADHD. Um, I'm a divorced mom of three beautiful daughters. Um, I was married for 20 years, actually. We were together for six years before that. Um, That ended in a nasty, ugly divorce, Um, which is actually what prompted me to move across country, actually pack up and move across country. Um, I've experienced multiple childhood traumas. I experienced um, molestation. Um, My father was abusive. I witnessed domestic violence. Uh, I myself have been a victim of domestic violence. Um, What else is there to tell? Oh, I am formerly incarcerated. (laughs) That's maybe a big one. I was actually incarcerated for a period of um, seven months, seven and a half months of an eight month prison sentence actually for trusting a man I should not have trusted. Um, But that experience actually uh, was the beginning of a brand new life for me. Actually, it was one of the best experiences um, or one of the best things that ever happened to me, actually, which sounds weird. Um, But it was 
the beginning of me having an opportunity to like really connect with myself for the first time um, really ever. I, you know, I was, I met my ex-husband as a freshman in college and really what, maybe two months after I got there and we were pretty much inseparable from that moment forward. So you can do the math <laughs> and right. then, you know, so there were not many periods where I had alone time. I mean, my children were always with me. My ex-husband was always working. And, you know, so while I had goals and ambitions and things that came up and things that I achieved during that period, it was never, um, it was never truly an opportunity for, or there was never really truly an opportunity for me to spread my wings and fly. Um, I was married to someone who, um, loved me just enough and supported me just enough to keep me there, right? Rather than, um, you know, out of fear, feeling that if she spread her wings, she'd probably fly away kind of thing. Um, and ultimately we did divorce and um, now I'm flying. Wow, that's beautiful. I mean, I mean, that what that's like a whole book. I know you got a few books in you too. <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Book number one is underway. <laughs> yes, yes. So like during this time, because I mean, it sounds like you you have so much to offer and it sounds like maybe you even shrank down a bit to kind of fit in his mold maybe, you know. Um, but, you know, what are some ways that you... Like, what did you do? When did you start noticing that, you know what, there's more? I, I want more. I want to spread my wings. I want to, you know, do these things. When did you begin to kind of, you know, see that, you know, something isn't right here? So I should probably back up just a little bit um, mm -hmm. and just provide just a brief backstory. So as a kid, um, I, we'll just pick age 10, right? Um, I was designing like bridal gowns, like when I was 10 years old, and the plan was not to become um, an employee. I always knew that I was an entrepreneur and I knew that I was here for a reason. And, you know, I had like these big dreams. So it was like I was going to create like this kind of emporium kind of thing um, for brides. And, you know, and so this is what I'm thinking of like 10, 11, 12 years old. And so, you know, and I'm designing these dresses and, um, you know, and then I was kind of bouncing around the idea of being, um, you know, am I also going to be an attorney? Am I also going to be a psychologist? Um, you know, so these were all the ideas that I had, right? And so when, you know, and then growing up in Los Angeles, it was, you know, I was surrounded by all this opulence in certain areas, you know, and I would travel into different spaces, like on field trips with school or like different performing arts kinds of activities or whatever that I would I did that would take me into other areas, I always saw that there was more, right? And so those were um, the feelings that I always had. And those were the dreams that I always had for myself. Like I thought I was gonna go to Oxford, right? And, you know, or like some Ivy League school. And so, you know, he and I would have these conversations in the beginning and his dreams were also huge. So it felt like the perfect fit, right? But then as time passed and the more comfortable he became with um, having some just more of a normal kind of experience because for him, you know, he came from, you know, the streets of DC and for him, it was everything to escape the life that he had and to start all over again and to recreate himself. And so for him, 
creating something that felt like more everyday and more normal became uh, what was important for him. And for me, it was like, I'm, you know, I'm feeling like I'm feeling confined. I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling like I'm nowhere near doing any of the things that I've always dreamed of doing for myself. Right. And so, you know, I want to say like probably five years before the actual divorce, I sat down and kind of made this pros and cons list of, okay, what are the positives of remaining married? What are the cons of remaining married? And, you know, um, I just had to be really honest with myself and, you know, like, okay, well, the good outweighs the bad right now. So we'll just keep going with it and, you know, have a couple conversations and just see where it goes. And so there were promises made that never um, came to fruition, you know, supporting, you know, my businesses and all these things or whatever, um, or us moving to a place that was more conducive to me being able to, you know, fly. Um, and then I just saw it, you know, it was interesting because I was growing increasingly like dissatisfied and I think it was apparent. And so I probably kind of started falling down kind of as a wife in some areas, right? Um, you know, and it, it was, you know, and he would threaten divorce, right? And I'm like, okay, fine, do what you gotta do kind of thing, right? Um, and maybe it happened on three different occasions, but there was one day that we were having a disagreement, probably months and months after the last time he told me that he wanted a divorce. And it just came out of my mouth. It just, I just said, I want a divorce. I didn't even know where it came from. I wasn't planning to say it. It just rolled off my tongue. And then once it rolled off my tongue, I didn't want to take it back. Like it felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulder. And I'm like, I've said it. And I tend to, and I'm one who believes that you can't take back things that you say, right? And I realized that I didn't want to take it back. I didn't want to change my mind. And so he's like, okay. And a couple of hours later, he came back trying to get me to change my mind. But I was like, okay, I, I'm going to do this. And that was, that was what it was. You know, I had, I had been lost long enough and I just wanted to find me. Oh, wow. Wow. And there was like no turning back. Was there ever a time where you, where you guys tried to, you know, figure things out and it was just like no turning back? Well, you know, he did talk me into um, agreeing to do couples counseling and we'd done couples counseling like some years before and the therapist was like she couldn't figure out like why are we still together which is pretty interesting um, and what it did was it actually drew us closer and we're like what's she talking about <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> you know um, and so but I did agree to go to couples counseling and you know I said to him okay so you need to seek you know help for your anger like your anger issues you need like some sort of anger management kind of thing happening and um and yeah i'll do the couples counseling with you and he scheduled like two appointments the same day right um he stormed out of the the anger management um counseling session that he had earlier that morning and he stormed out of the one that we had that afternoon it was the very first one because he felt like you know um you know he was being ganged up on which i'm like well it's kind of hard to gang up on anyone if we're only just sharing <laughs> our experiences with this person and so that was it. I'm like, you don't want to do this. You really don't want to do the work that's necessary to try to turn things around. So that's it. I'm not changing my mind. And so I, there was kind of a last ditch effort, maybe a couple of weeks before I picked up and moved across country with our girls. And he's like, you know, this is your last chance um, to change your mind. You know, we can start all over. We can, 
you know, have the wedding that we never had, the honeymoon that we never had. We got married at the Justice of the Peace and never had a honeymoon, right? Mm-hmm. But it was my choice because I felt overwhelmed the idea of like planning a wedding. And I'm like, let's just get married at the Justice of the Peace and we can renew our wedding vows in five years. And, you know, five years came, but the re- vow renewal never happened. And so he's like, well, we can just do everything that you ever wanted to do. And for me, I felt like, mm, I've heard these promises before and I'm not biting. This time I'm just, I'm just going to move forward and see what happens. And that's what I yeah. did. Yeah. Wow. Well, let's switch gears for a bit. I know that um, it really stood out to me when you mentioned the incarceration. And I know beautiful things can happen when you spend that time alone, you know, in solitude. You're able to learn so many things about yourself. Tell me about how how that experience was. (sighs) That experience was, my goodness, that experience was a lot. Um, On the one hand, there was, you know, this blessing because, you know, um, God just plopped me down right in the middle of like the um, Smoky Mountains of West Virginia. So I was in a picturesque setting with like this um, river beside um, the, the property that had like, you know, these rapids. And so it was like really peaceful when I, you know, would kind of find my way out like really early in the mornings to just kind of sit and have conversations with myself and with God. and you know i could just if i just ignored the things that were to the left and the things that were to the right and i just sat there and i looked at the the water and i just like looked up at the mountains and i just like looked up at the trees above my head it was like i wasn't there right and so i received some advice um prior to um, going to prison from someone who herself had shared that same experience and you know, she told me to view it as my own personal retreat, an opportunity to really get to know myself, right? And so that was primarily what I did. I spent many, many, many hours just hanging out with myself and with God. I did everything that I could to not be inside the housing unit um, because that was chaos. That was that was a zoo, that was bedlam. Um, and it also was triggering, <laughs> right? And so um, it was, But even through those experiences, it was an opportunity for me to grow. It was an opportunity for me to um, challenge myself and to question myself. Um, You know, I had an opportunity. I, you know, came face to face with my own anger, right? There were opportunities or for me to learn more about myself because, you know, um, you mentioned that you, you were saying basically, essentially, I think what everyone else who meets me or who knows me feels that I'm kind of like one of the last people that they would expect to have gone to prison. And so, you know, it was, there were, you know, any number of women who were there and really had nothing to lose. And so, you know, you're in a space with other women who are angry, who are hurt, who are in pain, um, who are disillusioned, confused. And so, you know, you're operating in a space that um, is itself um, trauma. Right. And so and you're surrounded by what at least 70 percent of the women there, because um, those are the numbers that at least 70 percent of women who are incarcerated um, have experienced trauma. So you're there with traumatized women who are in a space that adds to the trauma. And so really it was, you know, there was a lot of praying happening and a lot of like self-reflection happening and a lot of like questioning, like, Chandra, what do you really, really want to do? And like, where do you really, really want to go? And like, what's 
really, really been holding me back and God, what really, really is my purpose kind of thing. And I can say that by the time I left, I was victorious, right? Like I overcame that experience and it was like, wow, okay. And I've had plenty of experiences where I've said, if you can do this, you can do anything. And so that was yet another experience that I um, put in that column. If you can do this, you can do anything. And when I was released, I got out and decided that I choose me. I choose me and I choose my purpose. And that is what I'm going to do. And so it's imperative for me to, um, to unsaddle all of the baggage that I've taken on over the years from others um, to um, eliminate the limiting beliefs, to just really do like a deep dive into myself and to um, remove every single thing that was not truly me, right? And so that was part of my journey. And so that's still where I am. I still continue to do that, um, but it was the start. It was the catalyst. And so, you know, I'll forever be thankful for that experience. Oh, wow. I can, I mean, I can only imagine. You want to know something so, that's interesting? When I went to prison, I went to prison um, for something that I gained absolutely nothing from, or I gained nothing from the what caused me to go to prison, but I gained everything um, through the experience of incarceration. I gained myself. Mm, that's powerful. That's so, so powerful. I mean... I, I can imagine you journaled a lot and you, you wrote down a lot of things. I did some journaling. Um, what I found myself doing more was actually writing to my loved ones or doing like videos with the people that I that I love because it helped to keep me connected to the outside world so that I wouldn't um, take on very much of the energy of that space. Um, and so it allowed me to, um, it, it was a way to recharge and to refuel myself. But I did do some journaling. Um, I found myself just kind of like, rather than just like regular journaling, just kind of like collecting photos even, writing some things, reflecting on some things, um, collecting photos of um, maybe in kind of in a way, my journal kind of became kind of a vision board. Um, just like, okay, so what's next? What do you want to do? And it was just like gathering love. So postcards that people were sending me, letters, all of those things found their way inside my journal. And that was kind of how I kind of did my journaling. It was something okay. very cool. Usually I just kind of write, 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 write. But instead I wanted to give myself an opportunity to receive, to explore, to do kind of something different than what I'd done before. And so I still haven't actually opened my journal. I pulled it out just the other day. And today seems like a really good day to kind of go through it, to kind of flip through it and just kind of and see where my head was and where my head is today. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's like a whole follow-up interview because I want to, I want to explore too. <laughs> like, yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I really want to, I, I, you know, because it was, this was like a couple of weeks ago, actually, that I pulled it out and I ran across um, names of people that I met and like amazing friends that I, that I, that I made. Um, 
some who I hope will become lifelong friends, but you know, as it stands, I'm on supervised release, so I'm not supposed to have like contact with um, people who <laughs> are incarcerated or, or formerly incarcerated during this period, right? So my supervised release is almost up. So I'm looking forward to being able to like actually reach out and to reconnect with some of the amazing women that I met there. I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about the fact that, you know, what people perceive um, to be the reality of the incarcerated is nowhere near that. There's so many normal, incredible, brilliant women who are incarcerated for any number of reasons. And, you know, there's, there is so much love and life um, in that space. Yeah. So I remember a month ago, you were telling me that um, when you were incarcerated, there were people in there, there were women from all different types of backgrounds, like corporate America, just women you wouldn't even think would be in there. So was there a time that you felt just really set apart and even to the point where people were drawn to you because they knew that you were just different? There was just something about you. I, I would say that what's interesting is people kind of have different takes on me, right? Or different takes of me. It kind of depends on the person. Um, people who, and I, I really don't know what the circumstances are, but either I come across as being um, maybe a know-it-all, um, stuck up, um, self-centered, um, entitled, bougie kind of thing which I, you know, people think that um, <laughs> because I tend to be pretty reserved and I'm, you know, I kind of, I, I can be reserved sometimes and I just kind of sit back and I just kind of pay attention and observe kind of like the space. And I'm really careful about um, protecting my energy. And so I had, you know, these experiences where there were certainly certain women who gravitated towards me. Um, before I went to prison, my mother, you know, told me to, well, first of all, I told her that I was going to go there. I wasn't going to talk to anyone. I'm just going to go there and just get these, you know, seven months or however long over with. And just, that's just going to be that just going to focus on myself. And she's like, that is not, um, if God allowed you to go there. That is not what he wants you to do. He wants you to go and be a blessing, um, in the lives of the women who are there. And I'm like, Trats, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Like I, I, oh, I can't not be me. And so, but I did find myself in that in that um, kind of uh, situation. There were there were a lot of women who I found were drawn to me. Um, I think the positivity, the fact that I remained optimistic about the experience, the fact that I chose to view the experiences one that was positive rather than something that was like the death of me or like the end. I felt like it was the beginning, right? And so that was the message that I had for, you know, many of the women. And, you know, I did find that there were quite a few women who were, they continued to be inspired. They continued to want to surround themselves, you know, um, with more of the same. And so there kind of became kind of a group of us who would, um, connect on that level. Um, and it was beautiful. You know, there were really interesting women there. And even some of the women who were not necessarily like the CEOs or, you know, like the doctors or the attorneys also found themselves just interested in what I had to say. I'm just thankful that, um, that people saw 
more in me than um, what some of the others saw. <laughs> so that part was that part was fantastic. I, it was it was wonder, it was a wonderful opportunity to just like really get to know other women and to also change, right? Because my perspective um, of what that experience was like or who the people were who were incarcerated um, has forever been changed. So they gained what they gained from me and I gained immensely from them. Wow, and that that's so beautiful. And I know that had a lot to do with Lemonade development. So let's uh, talk about that. Share with us, you know, how you were inspired to really help other women that ended up in your situation. Okay, so, well, it started with, you know, as I mentioned, just the friends that I had there. My friends were like CEOs and um, just dynamic women who were doing like incredible things in the world before um, they became incarcerated, entrepreneurs, etc. And I remember just noticing that I was particularly blessed when it came to just the amount of support that I received from my family, my loved ones. And so, you know, my family made it their business to, I mean, engage with me at every turn, right? My sister, they'd send me like photo books. So they take like these wonderful trips like abroad and, you know, and they take all these photos and then they would put together photo books of their travels and, you know, send them to me to keep me inspired or they'd send me, you know, postcards from everywhere, wherever they were. Um, they'd send me books. Um, because they knew that, you know, I love to read. And, you know, they took every single opportunity to remain connected to me. So they visited as often as they could. Um, they, um, you know, sent me money. You know, I had my own money still in my account, but they'd send me money too. So I was never without money. So I was able to do video calls that other people were not able to do. And I was able to do multiple video calls during the week. I was able to um email my family and my loved ones i could buy stamps to stay connected and buy cards for my loved ones and send them cards and all these things meanwhile there were other women who were there who didn't have very much of that at all right um so little to none and they were moms right these are moms who you know couldn't remain connected to their children like you get 300 minutes in the federal system right to make phone calls right so they give you um 300 minutes. Now, mind you, you pay for these 300 minutes. So it's not that they give them to you for free. I think now they've made some changes or whatever, but that's another conversation um, that has to do with like some other stuff that um, I was a part of like after. But, you know, they are, you know, strict 300 minutes, you pay for them. And once your 300 minutes are up, that's pretty much it. And so, you know, many of these women lack support. And so that was just something that stood out. And then it just kind of took me to the next thing. I'm a mom of three and, you know, my two oldest daughters are adults, right? Um, and my little one, she's 10. At the time she was like eight. And it's like, you know, what do these women feel? And like, what do their children feel? And so then I kind of started putting together this business plan to start um, a nonprofit to benefit the children of the incarcerated. So that was the beginning of it for me. And so one of my friends um, is, she's a former, like she was a CEO of like these different school districts or whatever, like New York and Detroit and DC and Chicago and all these places. And so 
um, I had a conversation with her, told her what I was interested in doing. And, you know, she challenged me to, um, you know, put together a business plan that would address the needs of these children, right? And so that was what I was working on. And what I needed was like studies and statistical data and that sort of thing. And so one of my sisters um, sent me as much information as she could. So while she was sending me studies and all this other great information that I was using to, you know, uh, pull together like the, the actual plans for the, um, the structure of the business and all that, she ran across a, um, a flyer or just something about a program at Georgetown, right? And I'm like, that's what I'm going to do, a reentry program at Georgetown, right? And so the reentry program was 10 month like reentry program called the Pivot Program, actually. And, you know, in that program, it's for entrepreneurship and business and it's, you know, highly selective and all this or whatever. So I went through this, you know, stringent like um, application process or whatever. They chose me and but I also knew I wanted to go back, return to, to school. But anyway, so during that program, you know, um, real estate is my background. And so I wanted to move into development, right? And so I had an internship with a real estate developer, but there were all these opportunities for networking and there was so much work to be done. And I found that as, you know, a single mom, I had no, you know, or very little um, time to, um, dedicate to those things or whatever so it's like so what do other women do like i have you know i had support from my sister but my sister is really busy she's an executive and you know and all this and so even her time was limited right and so it's like so if i'm in this situation and i actually do have you know a certain level of support you know what do other women you know like me do right what do what other middle income women do you know how do they thrive how do they excel how do they you know flourish and so you know, that kind of got me thinking like, okay, maybe I need to look at developing like co-housing solutions or whatever, because really the solution is to have a sisterhood. So it's like, I have a sister, right? And when my sister's available, she provides the support that I need. So what would it be like for other women who maybe don't have sisters or maybe they're, they don't have that level of support? What would it be like for them to be in a space with other moms, with their children and, get that sort of that sense of community but also gain what i gained through incarceration right which was an opportunity to um do some personal development right but then throw in to the mix some professional development as well like what would it be like to you know help these women to figure out what's what like help them to create really a blueprint for success a blueprint to to blossom into themselves right and to then not only do that, but connect with these women, take those relationships with them when they leave and then flourish. Because I mean, there I think the wage disparity or the um, economic disparity between like single women without children and single moms is like, I think it's like 30%, there's a 30% difference um, in what they're, they're able to earn and what single moms are able to earn. So it's like, you're you and really low income moms have resources, right? There, there are resources that are readily available. Um, women who have the means, who have, um, who are higher earners, have the ability to put that support in place for themselves. But women who are in the middle are just kind of like stuck in the middle. And you know, I was talking with another woman, and she called, you know, this group of women that working poor. You have enough money to pay your bills and keep a roof over your head, feed your family, and do all of these things. You've got a really good job or whatever but 
that's pretty much the end of it. The opportunity to like take these great trips and do all these wonderful things and all these extra enrichment activities for your children, they don't necessarily exist, right? And so that was where Lemonade, that was where Lemonade started. And so it was that idea. And I had a totally different name really for the company. And then um, I started doing my research and I just saw that the name was like, I saw it over and over and over again. I'm like, this is not gonna work. And then it just, I can't remember what happened. This is how God works. It's amazing. You know, like, you know, things line up and it's like an aha moment. I actually make lemonade for real in real life. And my lemonade is like bomb. My lemonade is incredible. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there right. to the point where I, I thought about marketing the lemonade and my, um, you know, and my family friends, they requested, you know, um, like, where's the lemonade? When are you making the lemonade kind of thing? Right. And then, you know, so you know, I kind of put the real estate development, I was kind of putting it, thinking about putting it on the back burner. And I was going to like, you know what, let me just market my lemonade this summer. Then the pandemic hit, right? So we're in, we're in school. This is like what spring of like um, 2020. And it's like, okay, so then there's the pandemic. Like you can't do, you can't market or sell like any lemonade, like at right. markets, like how, you can't do that. Like everything's closed, right? The world is closed right now. So I'm like, hmm. So then I was thinking some other things. Then I'm like, you know what? Lemonade development, like that's that's the name of this company. That is the name. It's like, because, you know, and I was reading something online about you know, the American way, you know, lemonade stands or whatever. And, you know, something to do with turning, you know, how we turn lemons or something about lemons into lemonade or whatever. And it's like, that is what I do. I am a full-time lemonade maker. <laughs> you know, the art of turning lemons into lemonade and I can teach other women how to do the same. And so that was the beginning. That's beautiful. I mean, I'm telling you, you know, I believe in giving people their flowers while they're here. And I have, I'm, just, I'm so happy to have met you. I mean, I've learned so much from you and you're just a sweetheart. And I really can't wait for all of this to unfold. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really, really appreciate everything that you said. I feel like you are a godsend. It was, you know, nothing happens by accident, right? There are no accidents, right? And it's like, I'm just so, I feel so blessed to know you. Um, you have definitely um, added I can't even tell you what to my life. And so I'm just so thankful. I'm just thankful for this opportunity just to share my story. Wow, definitely. It's just, it's just gonna get better. I, I, I see so many great things. It's, you know, you don't meet too many people <laughs> that cross your path where people just like get you. Cause I too have ADHD and we, we just get each other, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and it is like, it is amazing. It's like one of the best, one of the best feelings ever because my circle is really, really small because I really am very serious about protecting my energy. And I'm very, and I've always been very diligent about um, steering clear of dream killers, right? Mm -hmm. And so the connecting with you has been incredible like i know that we will we will be friends for a very 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 long time 
And so it's like, that is, is exciting. And we will do many amazing things together because you are a powerhouse. You are incredible. And it's like, I'm not making me cry now. Look, I mean, you were just like, you were here on your show doing your thing. And it's like, and the work that you do, you know, for others is incredible. And it's like, I just can't wait for others, like the rest, the rest, the rest of the world to find out how amazing you are, you know? So it's just like, I'm just thankful. I'm just thankful. Oh, man. That's emoji. Oh, now, you know, you know, I get emotional. <laughs> because I'm telling you what, God is just so good. Like you said, mm-hmm. nothing's by accident, you know? And so, wow, just, um, it's, it's just a blessing. It's just a blessing. And um, I definitely want you to share with the listeners how they can just follow you on this journey because I know you got some stuff coming and we all going to be waiting for it. Okay. (laughs) I have some stuff coming. I definitely have um, a book that is on the way. Um, The plan is to have that book published by the end of the year. Um, It will be published by the end of the year. I'm also um, a professional coach or a personal coach. Um, I kind of coach on a lot of things, right? So um, rather than just lumping myself into one category, it's it's multiple. Um, I coach on law of attraction. I coach on relationships. I coach on business um, and on life. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. The development portion has not been abandoned. Um, it really, what the coaching part kind of came out of that, actually the personal development part. I mean, I've been coaching people forever, um, really um, just in real life. Um, and but in terms of like buckling down and like truly doing that which kind of reminds me of this this is why i know that god gives you your your purpose like a long time ago like as a kid he gives you glimpses of it so the whole psychologist thing it's not that i'm a psychologist um but as a coach it gives me an opportunity to help others to um discover themselves you know um in much the same way that I have continued to discover myself. Like, you know, we never stop discovering who we are, right? Because we change, it's constantly evolving. And so um, that is the other thing. And so I will be doing um, digital courses. Um, I will be doing Facebook groups uh, for Lemonade Makers. Hey. Um, And and then also uh, the ultimate goal is to do retreats, Um, but I will be doing like seminars as well, you know, just like, online retreats um, and other like live events online as well. So I am finally deciding to kind of step out because I've been so private, you know this, (laughs) but you know, it's time to really just start to um, just share my experiences with with other people because there's so many people out there who um, feel like they're alone um, in these experiences and you know, it's imperative that people know that they are absolutely not alone. And also, you know, um, to know that you can weather any storm, even though it feels like you can't weather any storm, you can indeed weather any storm. Um, and sometimes maybe it means that um, because we're enough, right? And it's like, um, you know, as humans, we kind of forget that we are enough sometimes and our experience, life experiences kind of, um, you know, point to that, especially as women, we kind of often feel like we're not enough, but we are enough in any situation, right? And so it's either that in that situation, it's calling us to learn more because, you know, there's no way to know every single thing, 
or the situation is one that we are, you know, ready and able to act, um, act on, we can respond. Or the other thing we can do is to just be still because maybe there is no response that's needed, but no matter what, we're enough, right? And so that is, that is, that is what I want other women to know. I want other women to know that they are enough and to know that they can, in fact, have the life that they desire and they don't have to compromise on it. Mm, not one bit. Not one so, bit. you know, you know, this was a whole setup, right? You coming on the show? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. In, in, in a podcast. I have a podcast also. And I have clubs on Clubhouse as well. Yes, yes. And on Clubhouse, how can we find you on Clubhouse? So this is the thing. So currently you can find me on Clubhouse as I think I'm still Chan underscore the golden one. And that's the number, the number one on uh, Clubhouse, but I'm actually in the process of um, like tightening my quote unquote personal brand and across all platforms, um, it will be, you know, at Chandra Nishan Adams, but currently it's Chan the Golden One. And on Instagram, I am at Lemonade Development. Got it, got it. Wow. Well, it has been truly amazing. I am, you know what? I'm ready for that retreat. I, I can tell you that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Me too. Because, you know, I'm going to hold you to it now. We, we're going to be accountability. Well, we already are accountability partners. Let me stop. So yes, I'm going to, I'm going to need you to co-host the retreat with me. Up, done. Okay. Done. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes, I, I would absolutely love that. And so, and really, you know, there are some other things too that I would love um, for you to be a part of. Like, so we have to talk. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. We've Definitely. already agreed to like do some of my um, conversations, my lemonade conversations on on um, Clubhouse. So and. Oh, yeah. Lemonade Makers on Clubhouse as well. So yay, those are the two clubs that I have. So Lemonade Conversations is one of the clubs and um, Lemonade Makers is the other club. And um, the podcast is Lemonade Conversations as well. So on yes. um, conversations, more a little bit more of a deep dive into topics that are important to women. And Lemonade Makers is a, a safe space for women to just come um, share their experiences, um, the highs or the lows um, you know, the, what they did in the middle and then what their solution was, right? Because it's a, it's an opportunity, it's a space for women to heal because we are, we are our own healers, right? Um, you know, it's not the therapist or the life coach or any of these other people, like we do the work and so we heal ourselves. Yeah. And so I want a space for women to come in and just kind of talk and just share, Hey, this is what happened to me. You know, this is what happened to me and this is what I made of it. Um, because you know we're resilient and it's a space of healing and resilience wow mic drop okay <laughs> hey what that's the that's that's what it is that's what this is all about that this is this is what this is all about oh my goodness well i am sending virtual hugs to you right now <laughs> and uh oh yeah, I'm looking forward to what's next. So until next time. Later, Lemonade Makers. <laughs>
And remember, you are the voice. <laughs>